0: John, chapter 3, verses 22 through 36, verses 22 through 24. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John was also baptizing in Enon, near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Burkett Notes our blessed Savior, having now finished his excellent sermon, preached to Nicodemus at Jerusalem, he departs thence with his disciples into the country of Judea, to make proselytes by the ordinance of baptism, where, note, one, our Lord's unwearied diligence in doing his Father's work and will, he goes from place to place, from city to country, preaching with and baptizing by his disciples, for Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, John 4, 2. Note, too, that the enjoyment of Christ's bodily presence did not take away the use of his own ordinances. None are above ordinances till they come to heaven. The ordinance of baptism is here administered by the disciples, even in the presence of Christ himself. This is called the baptism of repentance, of which children as well as others were capable subjects, because baptism doth not require children's repentance at present but engages them to repentance for time to come, as children that were circumcised were obliged to observe the whole law, but could not perform it till they had come to understand it. Note 3, how John did go on with his work of baptizing, though Christ and his disciples did eclipse and obscure him, though the people now flocked after Christ. All men came unto him. Verse 26. Yet John kept to his duty. "'Tis the duty of God's ministers to continue in their diligence and go on with their work when God raises up others about them of greater parts and better success. Oh, the admirable humility of that minister who can say with John the Baptist, let another increase, though I decrease.'" Verses 25 and 26. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they had come unto John and said unto him, "'Rabbi,' He that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptize this, and all men come to him. Burkett Notes Observe here what a spirit of envy there was in John's disciples against Christ upon account of the multitude of his followers. He that was with thee beyond Jordan, baptize this, and all men come to him. Where Note 1 how meanly John's disciples think and speak of our Savior, compared with John, their master. They did not so much as allow him a name, or give him any title, but he that was with thee, beyond Jordan, the same baptizeth. Observe, too, how they intimate, as if Christ had received all of his credit and reputation from their master, John, to whom thou bearest witness, baptizeth, as if they'd said, the man whom the people flock after, neglecting thee and thy disciples is much inferior to thee. For he came to thee, thou did not go to him. Thou baptizest him, he did not baptize thee. Thou gavest testimony to him, he did not give testimony to thee. let observe what a bitter spirit of envy and emulation there has always been amongst the ministers of the gospel, even from the very first plantation of the gospel which causes them to look upon the exalted parts and gifts of others as a diminution and debasing of their own. But why should the prospering of the work of God in one minister's hands be matter of repining unto others? Shall not God honor what instruments he pleaseth? And will he not reward all his faithful laborers according to their sincerity, not according to their success? Verses 27-31 John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Burkett notes, Observe here how holily and wisely John the Baptist corrects the envy and jealousy of his own disciples, and endeavors to root out all prejudice out of their minds against Christ, in order to which he shows them a fivefold difference between Christ and himself. One, he tells them Christ was the master, John but his minister, and that he had told them so from the beginning. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. The faithful ministers of Christ think it honor enough to be servants to him, and would not have their followers attribute the least part of that honor and glory to them, which is due Jesus Christ. Two, John acquaints his disciples that Christ was the bridegroom of his church, to whom the Christian church was to be solemnly espoused and married, and that he had honor enough in being one of the bridegroom's friends and servants, and accordingly, instead of envying, he rejoiced at the success which the bridegroom had, and took great pleasure in it. Learn, one, that the relation betwixt Christ and his church is a conjugal relation, a relation of marriage, yet set forth under the name of bride and groom, rather than under the notion of a complete marriage, because it is but begun here, and to be consummated in heaven. And also to show that Christ and his people's affections are as warm and fresh, as strong and vehement towards each other, as the affections of espoused or newly married persons are to one another. Isaiah 62.5 As the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Learn, too. It is honor sufficient to the ministers of Christ that they, as friends of the bridegroom, are employed by him to further the marriage relation betwixt him and his spouse. Their office is to woo for Christ, to commend his person, and to invite all persons to accept of him for their head and husband. 2 Corinthians 11.2 I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Learn that there is no greater joy to the ministers of Christ than to see themselves honored by him as his instruments in preparing a people for Christ and happily uniting them unto him. Oh, how little do our people know and less consider how much of the comfort of their poor ministers' lives lie at their mercy. We live as we see any of them stand fast in the Lord. We die as we see others stick fast in their sins. This was the second difference which John acquaints his disciples was found betwixt Christ and himself. The third follows, verse 30. He must increase, I must decrease. He must increase, that is, in honor and dignity, in esteem and reputation, in discovery and manifestation. He shall shine forth as the rising sun, and I must disappear as the morning star. Not that John's light was diminished, but by a greater light obscured only as all the stars disappear at the appearance of the sun. Yet observe what matter of joy it was to John to see himself outshined by Christ. Let him increase, though I decrease. That minister has true light in himself that can rejoice when he is outshined by others, who is content to be abased and obscured, if he may but see Christ dignified and exalted in the lives of his people, whosoever the person is whom God honors as his instrument in that service. The fourth difference wherein Christ excels John and all his ministers is in the divine original of his person. Verse 13. He that cometh from above is above all, says John. Now Christ is from above. His original is from heaven. I am from the earth, though I had my commission from heaven, and accordingly my words and actions are earthly. My master, therefore, infinitely surpasses and excels me in the dignity of his person and in the sublimity of his knowledge. From the whole note, how much it is the desire and endeavor of every gospel minister to magnify Christ, to display his glorious excellences and perfections before the people, that they may reverence his person, revere his authority, and respect his laws. This was the care of the Holy Baptist here, and it will be the endeavor of every faithful minister of Christ that succeeds John to the end of the world. Verses thirty-two through thirty-four. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man received his testimony. He that has received his testimony has set a seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Burkett Notes Observe one, another great difference which the Baptist teaches his disciples to put betwixt his testimony and Christ's to the intent that he might reprove the prejudice which was upon his disciples' minds against the Messiah, he shows them that his own testimony, which they so much admire, was by revelation only, Christ's by immediate intuition. John testified only what he had received, but Christ what he had seen lying in the bosom of his father. What he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. Learn hence that it is Christ's the great prophet of his church, particular prerogative to have the knowledge of divine truth immediately from the Father, by special communication, and that all others receive their knowledge from him by gracious illumination only. Observe, too, how sadly and sorrowfully the Holy Baptist resents it, that Christ's testimony was no better received and entertained by the world. He testifieth, but no man receiveth his testimony. John's disciples murmured, that all men come unto Christ, verse 26, but John mourns that there came not more, and complains that none, that is, very few, received his testimony. Thence learn that it ought and will be a matter of great regret and sorrow to all the friends of Jesus Christ, but especially to his faithful ministers and servants, that his doctrine is so ill-received and entertained in the world. It greatly affects and grievously afflicts them That when they testify of Christ, no man, that is, comparatively very few men, receive their testimony. Observe, three, the eulogy and high commendation given of all true believers. They receive Christ's testimony and thereby set their seal that God is true. That is, have subscribed to and ratified the truth of God, that God, in all his promises of the Messiah under the Old Testament, is faithful and true. Learn hence. The great honor that God puts upon the faith of believers. As unbelief defames God and makes him a liar, so faith gives testimony to the truth of God and setteth to its seal that God is true. He that receiveth his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Observe 4. The illustrious character which the Holy Baptist gives of Christ his Master. He is the person whom God hath sent and unto whom God giveth not his spirit by measure, whom God hath sent, that is, immediately and extraordinarily from heaven, not as the prophets and apostles were sent, but in a way peculiar to himself, having authority for speaking not only from God, but as being God himself. And accordingly it is added, that God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. That is, the gifts and graces of the Holy Spirit were poured forth upon Christ in a measure far above and beyond all finite creatures, there being a double difference betwixt Christ's fullness of the Spirit and all other persons whatsoever. One, in the measure of it, God did not give out the Spirit to Christ sparingly with limitations, as he did to the former prophets and John the Baptist, in portion to what their offices required but he was anointed it more plentifully and abundantly with the Holy Spirit above and beyond his fellows. Two, in the manner of its working, the holy prophets that were filled with the Spirit, according to their measures, yet could not do or declare all things, nor act upon all occasions, but sometimes the Spirit restrained them and sometimes departed from them. But Christ had no limits put upon the vigor of his Spirit, but his own will, Therefore, could work what and when he pleased. Learn from hence that Christ had an abundant fitness from God for the discharge of his office, and an abundant fullness for his people. God did not measure to him a certain quantity and portion of the gifts and graces of his Spirit, but poured it forth upon him without measure. Verse thirty-five. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things unto his hand. Briquette notes. The Father loved the Son from eternity, as he was his Son by eternal generation, and he loved him as mediator by special constitution. He loves him as the brightness of his own glory and the expressed image of his person with an essential, natural, and necessary love, and he loves him as mediator for undertaking our cause and interposing for our peace. Learn hence that God the Father had a special love and affection to Christ, not only in regard of his eternal sonship, but with respect to his office and mediatorship. The Father loveth the Son. It follows, He hath given all things into his hand. That is, he hath entrusted him with all things necessary to our salvation. Lord, what a privilege is this, that our happiness is in Christ's hand, not in our own, without his. O wonderful goodness, to put our concerns into the sure hands of his Son, which were lost by the weak hands of Adam. Verse 36. And he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Burkett notes. Learn one that though all the power be given to Christ to dispense grace here and glory hereafter, yet none must expect to enjoy it, but upon condition of believing in him and obeying him. For the original word signifies both. No faith is acceptable to Christ, nor available to our salvation, but that which is the parent and principle of obedience. Learn, too, that final unbelief renders a man infallibly an object of the eternal wrath of God. He that believeth not the Son, the wrath of God abideth on him. The unbeliever now lies under the sentence of God's wrath. Hereafter, he shall lie under the full and final execution of it. Lord, how sad it is to be here in a state of condemnation, but how intolerable it will be in hell to continue eternally under the power of condemnation, to lie forever in that mysterious fire of hell whose strange property is always to torture, but never to kill, or always to kill, but never to consume. For after millions of years are expired, still tis a wrath to come. And though the unbeliever hath felt and endured never so much, yet still the wrath of God abideth on him. Every word carries dread and terror with it. The wrath, not the anger, and the wrath of God, not of man, at whose rebuke the devil's tremble. And this wrath of God not only flashes out like lightning, but abides, dwells, and sticks fast upon him, that is, on his person, the whole man, soul, and body.